What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we will be analyzing the Hall versus Strickland card going down tomorrow night, Saturday, July 31st, 2021. We're down to 11 fights. I'm recording this right after the weigh-ins. We lost Trevin Jones versus Ronnie Lawrence, and we also lost Nico Montano versus Wu Yanan. So the fight went down from 13 fights to 11 fights. And we'll get into those fights here shortly, but just a quick couple of updates. I have created a second podcast with my buddy Ozzy. He has been on this podcast in the past, and he is honestly one of the best bettors in all of MMA. He is a 13% ROI. He has a proven winning record for the past four or five years. So uh, we have a podcast together now that we're going to be recording before as many UFC cards as we can. So make sure you're checking those episodes out as well. And lastly, just a quick recap of the last card. I didn't do so great on picks last card. I honestly forget what the record was. Probably like 7-5 and five or something like that. But in terms of bets, I did great. Profited 6 units on official track bets. A lot of underdogs hit. And I gave out a ton of free winning bets in the last podcast. So I hope you're all able to make some money. And let's hope to keep that momentum going into this card tomorrow night. And we're going to start things off in the welterweight division where we have Orion Kasi as the minus 155 favorite, taking on Phil Rowe as the plus 135 underdog. I do have a bet tracked in this fight, and I like Phil Rowe as an underdog here. Kasi might have some physical attributes over Phil Rowe, like he might be uh, the stronger, more durable guy, possibly the better cardio as well. But in terms of MMA skill, I don't really give him any advantages here. I think that Phil Rowe is the better striker and grappler than Kasi. Um, Kasi doesn't really have much footage of him striking out there, but he does have some basic southpaw striking. I just don't think he's very comfortable or tested in that striking range. Kasi does have the ability to hit offensive takedowns, but Phil Rowe is actually pretty good on bottom. We saw him get taken down by Gabe Green a few times, but he used some nice half guard sweeps to escape that bottom position. So even if Kasi does take Rowe down, I think Rowe is going to be the better grappler from the bottom and will likely reverse position as the fight goes. And Phil Rowe is actually pretty good on top. We saw him pass guard, mount, gate green a few times, and I think he's the better top position grappler than Kasi. Uh, I don't think he's the better wrestler, but I still think that Kasi will leave some openings for him to get taken down. Or like I said, maybe Kasi will take him down and Phil Rowe will just reverse it. And in the striking, I just think it'll be very even. I give a slight advantage to Phil Rowe because he's the more experienced and seasoned striker. And I think as long as Kasi doesn't attack those leg kicks like Gabe Green did against Phil Rowe, which I don't think he will do very effectively in this fight because it's an opposite stance matchup instead of an orthodox versus orthodox like Gabe Green was. I don't think Takasi is going to win this fight, honestly. So I'm picking Phil Rowe here as an underdog. Not going too crazy on him, only 0.75 units on his money line, but I'm picking him to win this fight via decision. The next fight was supposed to be Lawrence versus Jones. Sadly, this fight is canceled. It was probably one of the most intriguing matchups on the card, and I was picking and betting on Lawrence there, so hopefully they rebook that fight soon in the future, but we're going to move on to the next fight in the women's strawweight division where we have Ashley Yoder as the minus 145 favorite taking on Jin Yu Fry as the plus 125 underdog. I disagree with this line. I think it should be closer to a pick'em at 50-50, and I just don't see any real areas where Yoder has an advantage here. Maybe she has a jiu-jitsu advantage, but I think Frey is the stronger woman. I think she's a little bit better in the clinch. I think Frey might be the better distance striker of the two, and Frey has actually shown some decent takedown defense, especially from the clinch where Yoder likes to get a lot of her takedowns. And like I said, Yoder might have the better jujitsu, but I don't think she has the reliable way to get the fight into the grappling. I think if anyone is hitting takedowns here, it could be Jin Yu Fry hitting those body lock takedowns that we saw in her last fight against Gloria DePaula. 
When this fight is in the striking range, neither of these women throw a high amount of strikes, so I don't think either woman is going to be emphatically winning the striking, and I think that kind of goes for all areas of this fight. I don't think either woman is going to be winning these rounds clearly. I think it's just going to be a 50-50 uh, split decision type of fight, so I cap this fight as dead even 50-50, so the value is all over Jinyu Fry as the dog here, and I will be picking Jinyu Fry to win the fight. I think that the clinch, the strength advantage, maybe those trip takedowns of hers are going to come into play here, and I think she's going to edge the scorecards um i do like Jinyu fry as an underdog for her money line but Jinyu fry uh by decision at plus 220 or something there's value on that and fight ends by split decision on DraftKings at plus 250 uh there's some value on that as well so uh that's going to be my pick for the fight Jinyu fry by decision this next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Kai Kamaka as the minus 116 favorite taking on danny chavez as the minus 104 underdog this is a great fight. I'm really looking forward to this matchup, and I do agree with Kai Kamaka being the slight favorite here. I do cap him at around 55% here. Uh, I think the striking exchanges will be very competitive between these two, but one difference I see between them is Kai Kamaka throws in combination a lot more. Every time he's throwing strikes, he's throwing a three or four punch combination ending with a kick, and he really does a good job at that, while Chavez is kind of a single shot guy looking for that hard calf kick, that right hand of his, but he doesn't really have the most consistent volume. He doesn't throw in combination too much, and if he doesn't land that leg kick, that calf kick of his, I don't think he really has many range finders, and I don't think he's really going to outstrike many opponents if he can't get that calf kick going so if Kai Kamaka can address that calf kick early on here I think he should be the the better striker right off the bat but Kai Kamaka has gotten leg kicked in some of his past fights especially the Tony Kelly fight so that is something to consider uh, when this matchup versus Chavez is happening but also I give an advantage to Kai Kamaka here in the grappling I think he is the better grappler of the two Kai comes from that wrestling background, and he has hit a good amount of takedowns throughout his MMA career. He doesn't do a whole lot with those takedowns. He's definitely not looking to pass guard or submit you or anything. He's kind of just looking to lay on top of you and secure the rounds. But that could be a big factor in this fight because in a fight where I could see it being 1-1 going into round 3, uh, Chavez typically slows down in round three. He slowed down versus TJ Brown. He slowed down versus Jared Gordon as well. I could see that late takedown and that top position time from Kai Kamaka being the deciding factor in swaying this decision towards Kamaka. I do think this fight is going the distance. Most of Kamaka's fights do. Um, I don't really see many finishes here. Kai Kamaka is really tough. He can take a good amount of damage. So can Chavez, honestly. And Kamaka's not the biggest hitter. So I don't really see many pass for a finish here. I think goes the distance should be pretty safe. And I like Kai Kamaka to win a decision here. So I think there's some slight value on his money line at minus 115. I do cap him in the minus 130, minus 135 range. But also Kai Kamaka by decision at plus 180 there is some good value there as well so haven't decided if i'm quite backing uh, kakamaka with a bet here but i'll definitely decide in the next 24 hours so make sure you check my bet mmates page to uh, keep track of my official track bets and we're going to move on to the next fight in the lightweight division hafa garcia is the minus 305 favorite taking on chris gritzmacher as the plus 255 underdog I definitely think this line is a bit wide. I would not be trusting Garcia as the minus 300 favorite. Most of Garcia's wins are submissions over lower level fighters in the regional scene. And I just don't think the guy really excels at one area of MMA. I mean, he's got some decent boxing, decent wrestling. But I just don't think he's going to blow Chris Gritzmacher out of the water. Unless Gritzmacher is completely shot, which he did kind of look shot against Alex Hernandez in his last fight. 
But Hernandez is a much better athlete, much faster guy. I think Gritzmacher is getting a much easier matchup in Garcia here. So I definitely don't expect Gritzmacher to look as bad as he did versus Hernandez. But still, you got to be concerned that he might be just completely washed and he might get knocked out in round one here. But I think Gritzmacher will be there to compete at all in all areas. I mean, the guy is a serviceable striker. He's got decent takedown defense. He's not easy to get down and submit. I don't think Garcia is going to have an easy time taking him down. I think Garcia actually could take him down, but Garcia's top game is not good at all. I mean, the guy loses position all the time, dives on bad low-level submissions, and I think even if Garcia hits a takedown here, he's not going to do a whole lot with them. So I think most of this fight is going to take place in the striking. And like I said, Gritzmacher's a serviceable striker. He had previously been durable in his past fights. He didn't look too durable versus Hernandez. Uh, but Hernandez, like I said, much better athlete, much harder puncher than Garcia. And I think Gritzmacher is actually going to compete pretty well in this fight. So I would cap Garcia at like minus 200, minus 250. But where the line is at now, there is value on Gritzmacher. Don't, don't go too crazy because, like I said, there is a good chance that this guy is completely washed. But if he shows up as the, the last version of himself that won a fight in 2018 against Joe Lozon, I think he actually could compete here and possibly even pull off the upset victory versus Garcia. So I like Gritzmacher for a small bet here, um, but I'll probably be picking Garcia um, as the official pick. Garcia knockout as the official pick, um, but I'll be, I'll be definitely be cheering for Gritzmacher to pull off the upset. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Melsig Bogdazarian as the minus 140 favorite taking on Colin Anglin as the plus 120 underdog. These guys are both contender series fighters making their UFC debuts, and I thought Melsic actually really impressed me in his contender series fight. Going into that fight, he only had four MMA wins, and they were all knockouts in less than 30 seconds against low-level competition. So when I see that, I expect the guy to have a good round one, and if he doesn't win the fight in round one, he's going to gas out and lose the fight. But honestly, Melsic's cardio was pretty good in that fight for having never fought past 30 seconds in MMA. I definitely think Melsic slowed down a little bit in round two, but he still did a good job of pacing himself, of winning the striking exchanges, of stuffing some takedowns. He got briefly taken down a few times by Bazookia, who was supposed to be the much better grappler, but Melsic was able to stay pretty safe, stand up from those takedowns, and actually showed some decent defensive grappling for being uh, a career kickboxer. And getting over to Melsic striking, the guy's striking looks really good. He has great speed. The way he throws out that left kick of his, that straight left hand down the pipe, I think the guy's going to be the much faster striker, the much better striker than Colin Anglin here. Now getting over to Anglin, he did have a decent performance on the Contender Series. He showed some good cardio in that fight, showed some solid wrestling skill. I think his wrestling was really the big factor that changed that fight. Naimov just could not defend those takedowns, but Anglin apparently came from a wrestling background. I wasn't too impressed with his wrestling skill. Didn't think he was a great jujitsu guy who can hold people down or anything like that. And in this matchup against Melsic, I think Anglin is going to need to hit takedowns to control Melsic on the ground if he wants to win. I think the skill differential between them on the feet, the speed differential between them and the striking is just going to be too wide for Anglin to compete in the striking. I think Melsic is going to outstrike him pretty badly and possibly even knock him out in the first round here. But you still got to be concerned about that possible cardio problem for Melsic. Has not been late in the fights many times. I definitely think that Anglin does have the better cardio of the two. And Anglin might level up his wrestling a little bit. He might have a good game plan coming in to take Melsic down. He might have been drilling his wrestling a lot for this camp. And it's possible that Anglin pulls off the upset here. So I think that Melsic will take come out to an early lead and win the first round or two. Uh, but I do have some concerns over him fading late. Anglin possibly coming back for a late finish. 
There's a lot of outcomes on the table here with two young, inexperienced guys, but I'm sad with Mel Sikir. I think he has a big striking advantage and has the takedown defense, has the cardio to stay in this fight long enough to just keep outstriking uh, Anglin to either a decision, winning two out of three rounds, or possibly knocking him out in the first half of the fight. So I like Mel Sikir uh, as a favorite. I think there is value on his line right now. I would cap him closer to minus 170 pre-fight, and if Anglin is doing well, just look to live bet Anglin. I think he's probably going to take a beating early on here and if he can survive you know good for him he probably has a good chance in round two or three but if you like Anglin I would recommend just live betting him or possibly betting his round two round three props instead of taking a pre-fight so pre-fight money line value is on Melsic and my official pick I think will be Melsic 29-28 uh, decision the next fight was supposed to be Nico Montano versus Wu Yanan. That fight has been canceled because Montano missed weight by 7 pounds. I was picking Montano to grapple to a pretty dominant decision or submission there, but uh, we have all been robbed of that great fight, sadly. But I digress. We will move on to the next fight. I think this fight is the first fight on the main card, which takes place in the welterweight division. We have Brian Barberina as the minus 270 favorite, taking on Jason Witt as the plus 230 underdog. It's hard to have much faith in Jason Witt because he has been knocked out in less than a minute in two out of three of his fights. He seems very hittable, seems a bit fragile as well. But good for him in this matchup is Barbarina is kind of a forgiving puncher. He's known for not being a hard hitter. He kind of intentionally throws uh, 50% power behind all of his shots because he's more of a volume puncher than a power puncher. But I definitely think that Barbarina is the better striker of the two. And when this fight is on the feet, we will see Barbarina just kind of peppering Wit and pick her, picking him apart as the fight goes. If Wit wants to win this fight, he's probably going to have to get his wrestling going. And Anthony Ivey was able to take Brian Barbarina down a few times, wasn't able to accomplish much with it because Barbarina is actually a pretty good defensive grappler. He's really good at getting back up to his feet and staying safe on the ground once he gets taken down. So I don't think Wit is going to have a huge amount of success with his grappling here. He might get a few takedowns, but I don't think he really has a good enough top game to keep Barbarina down on the mat. So I don't really have much faith in Witt to win via grappling. I certainly don't think Witt can win via striking. So I think Barbarina does have Witt covered here pretty much everywhere. He should win the fight pretty comfortably, but minus 270 or minus 250, whatever it is, definitely no interest in betting that line. Don't even parlay that stuff because... Barbarina is just not a fighter who emphatically covers minus 250, and Witt probably does have a small win condition here with his wrestling, just repeated takedowns uh, over the course of three rounds. So um, I guess the line is dogger pass where it's at, but I'm picking Barbarina to cruise to a pretty comfortable decision here. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Ryan Benoit as the minus 135 favorite, taking on Saruk Adeshev as the plus 115 underdog. This fight was supposed to happen a few months ago, and I think I actually might have analyzed it on the podcast. Uh, Benoit like collapsed on the scales last time, was having trouble making weight apparently, but did make weight for this fight. Um, I don't think it's going to have a huge factor on the fight. I still think that Benoit does have a lot of advantages here. The first being experience. I mean, he's been in the UFC so much longer, has shared the cage with much better opponents, and has honestly made a better account of himself than Zurich Adeshev did. Adeshev did look a little bit improved versus Sumadarji in his last fight. I mean, he got absolutely bombed on by Tyson Nam in his first UFC fight, and then kind of did show improvements versus Sumadarji, but was still soundly outstruck to losing a decision there versus uh, Sue. So hard to give Zarok too much credit for what he's done in the UFC so far. He hasn't really had much success. And even his pre-UFC fights, they were all Bellator wins over low-level competition. I'm not really impressed with the guy at all. 
I think the striking will be close between these two, but Benoit is a serviceable striker as well. I think that he actually could win the striking exchanges here by just having, like I said, the more experience, more cage time. He's actually probably the better MMA striker of the two, while Zarok is kind of still transitioning from that kickboxing background. And Benoit has a big grappling advantage here. I think he is much more likely to hit takedowns to keep top position, has the much better jujitsu of the two. And he's steadily improving his takedown defense as well. I don't think that's going to come into factor here. But, I mean, Benoit was just having razor close fights with Alatang and Tim Elliott. I think he probably should have beaten Tim Elliott in his last fight. And I think Tim Elliott would absolutely destroy Zorgadashev. So, I cap Benoit closer to 60% here, minus 150, maybe even minus 170 at the max. I, I do think Benoit has a lot of advantages here. I think that if Adeshev wins this fight, he's going to need to keep the fight standing the entire time and probably put on the best performance of his MMA career, and I'm just not willing to trust him to do that at plus 115. I think you're going to need a lot better of a price to do that. So I like Benoit here. I think there's some value on him, and I might even end up with a track bet on him. I think Benoit can win in all three ways, honestly, but I'll pick a decision as the most likely. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Nicholas Stolze as the minus 190 favorite, taking on Jared Gooden as the plus 165 underdog. This line seems about right to me, but I'll just say it's dog or pass because I'm not quite willing to trust Stolze at minus 190 versus uh, any opponents in the UFC, even if they are as bad as Jared Gooden is. Um, Gooden is pretty much just a power puncher. I don't think he really is good at any other aspect of MMA. He's a really bad defensive grappler. He typically slows down as the fight goes on. And even if the fight stays standing, I'm not convinced that he's the better striker than Stolze. Stolze is a pretty athletic guy, seems like a decent striker, can hit takedowns, has submitted opponents before in the regional scene. So if Stolze comes in with a smart game plan, that would be to hit takedowns here and to easily outgrapple Jared Gooden. If he wants to take the the path of more resistance, he's going to keep the fight standing where Gooden actually has a chance to win by knockout. Uh, if you like Jared Gooden in this fight, I would just take him by knockout. I think... You know, typically he slows down as the fight goes on, and considering he's coming in on like four or five days short notice, it seems very likely that he slows down as this fight goes on. So if you like Gooden, I would just take his knockout prop, and if you like Stolze, I don't know, I would kind of recommend passing on this one. I'm not in love with laying the minus 190 chalk. Maybe Stolze submission. If he goes after those takedowns, I think he should have a pretty easy time hitting them and out grappling Jared Gooden. Gooden just lays on his back for long periods of time uh, when I've seen him in the grappling. So Stolze should win this fight, but he's not quite proven enough to lay that minus 190 chalk on him. So uh, look for props in this one. I think if you like Gooden, like I said, playing by knockout. And if you like Stolze, just search for some props. Maybe the Stolze submission prop has some value. But um, passing on this one for betting-wise, and I'm going to be picking Stolze to win by either decision or submission. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Cheyenne Buys as the minus 160 favorite, taking on Gloria DePaula as the plus 140 underdog. This is the battle of the Contender Series frauds right here. Both of these women look great on the Contender Series, dominated their opponents, look good in defending takedowns and striking their opponents. I mean, they outstruck them. They, they completely dominated in the Contender Series, right? And then their first UFC fights, they both get dominated via grappling. Monstrat Ruiz hit some head and arm throws and held Cheyenne buys in one of the most basic jiu-jitsu positions ever. Uh, for like 15 minutes straight. That was a complete embarrassment for buys. And then DePaula was just easily taken down with those body lock takedowns and laid on her back for five minutes in rounds one and three versus Jinyu Fry. 
So embarrassing performance from both women. Both women are awful, awful defensive grapplers. And I think that DePaula is the worst defensive grappler of the two. So for Baez to take the easiest path to victory here would just be to attempt those takedowns. It didn't take Jinyu Fry a whole lot to get DePaula down. And Jinyu Fry wasn't doing anything on top either to keep DePaula on her back for the full five minutes of those rounds. So if Baez comes in here with the right game plan to hit those easy takedowns, she should win the fight easily. But I don't trust her to do that. I think the fight is going to stay standing. We're going to see some competitive striking exchanges. Both these women are good in the clinch. I think DePaula is actually the better in the clinch with those knees and elbows that she attacked her contender series opponent with. And I just expect the striking exchanges to be close, very competitive. So I think it is dog or pass here. There's no way I would be willing to trust Cheyenne Dyes as a favorite after the way she just embarrassed herself in that last fight. So I think you got to take the plus money on a fight this low level. And DePaula has a good chance at edging the striking and winning a decision here with her striking. So if you want to go out on a limb and gamble a little bit, take a small bet on DePaula, maybe half unit. I really wouldn't even go more than a full unit on either side here because it's just that low level. Level. And uh, I'll pick DePaula to pull off the upset decision of uh, just outstriking buys here. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Kyung Ho Kang as the minus 116 favorite, taking on Hani Yaya as the minus 104 underdog. Kang is coming off a pretty long layoff, hasn't fought in over a year and a half, and both of his wins before he took that long layoff were pretty underwhelming. Uh, I thought he both clearly won the fight against Brandon Davis and Ping Wang Liu, but both the judges gave those fights split decisions because Kang was just so inactive. He was getting takedowns, he was laying on top, he wasn't looking to pass guard, wasn't looking to land any ground and pound, wasn't looking to submit his opponents at all. So when Lay and Prey is such a big factor of Kang's game, I think it's going to be hard for him to win this fight against Han Yaya because Yaya is such a great grappler. He's a better offensive grappler than defensive grappler, but I still don't think Kang is going to be able to take him down and hold him down. I think Yaya will scramble up, will reverse position. And I think if anyone is hitting takedowns here, it's probably going to be Hani Yaya in the first half of the fight. I think Yaya is the better wrestler of the two. I think he's the better overall grappler of the two. And I have a good feeling that Yaya is going to take Kang down and win round one pretty comfortably here. It just becomes a matter of can Yaya submit him or keep up that pace over the full 15 minutes because we did see Yaya gas out really badly versus Barzola in his second most recent fight. He outgrappled Barzola in rounds one and two of that fight but was dead tired in round three, got completely dominated in round three for a 10-8 round there, and that fight ended up being a draw. So you got to be concerned about that. Yaya was kind of having his ideal fight versus Barzola through two rounds, but still heavily slowed down in round three. So even if Yaya is out grappling Kang here in the first two rounds, you still got to be concerned that he might gas out and possibly lose the fight in round three. But from a matchup perspective, from a betting perspective, I think the value is all over Hani Yaya as an underdog here. I think he's going to take Kang down. I think he's going to outgrapple him in round one. I'm not confident that Yaya is going to submit him or continue that success over round two and round three, but I'm pretty confident that Yaya is going to win round one here. And if you like Kyung Ho Kang in this fight, I would either recommend waiting to live bet him to see how he deals with the grappling of Yaya or just bet him by knockout because I think the only way that Kang is going to win this fight clean is by knockout. He's not going to have um, the top position or the, the round winning ability to win rounds here versus Yaya. I don't think he's going to be able to submit Yaya, obviously. So if Kang is winning this fight, it's probably going to be by landing some shots on the feet and knocking Yaya out. So 
If you like Kang, play him by knockout or look to live bet him. And I think that Hanayaga is the pre-fight value side here. So I have a one-unit bet tracked on him at plus 116 odds. I got him right before he dropped down to that slight favorite price. And uh, hope you're all able to get in on him as well. I tracked that bet last night. And uh, my buddy Ozzy likes Yaya a lot here. So I'm riding with that. And I'm picking Yaya to win uh, by either submission or decision. The next fight is the main event of the card and takes place in the middleweight division. We have Sean Strickland as the minus 200 favorite taking on Uriah Hall as the plus 170 underdog. I agree with where this line is at. This is a pretty simple matchup to analyze. I highly doubt any grappling whatsoever takes place in this fight, so it should be a, an entirely striking fight. And in the striking, I just think that Sean Strickland is the much higher output, much more aggressive guy. Uriah Hall is kind of known for losing rounds and coming back late. He lost rounds to Bevon Lewis. He lost rounds to Anderson Silva last year. I mean, he was losing rounds to a 45-year-old Anderson Silva in MMA. That's never a good sign. And I think that Strickland's just going to be throwing a lot more strikes. He's going to be landed more. And Strickland starts a lot faster as well. So I think Strickland's going to get out to an early lead here, probably wins the first few rounds. And I think if Hall wants to win the fight, he's going to have to land a knockout. I don't think that there's any value on Hall's money line price. I think if you like Hall in this fight, just take him by knockout because I don't think he can win any other way. He's not going to have the striking volume to win rounds. He's certainly not going to submit Strickland. So if he wants to win, I think he's going to have to land that knockout, that picture-perfect counter, that big power punch of his. But one thing I will say about Strickland in his past few fights is he's been fighting forgiving punchers, guys who don't really hit that hard. And Strickland has kind of been willing to trust his chin, his durability throughout those fights. This fight is going to be different. He's going to be fighting a guy with legitimate power, legitimate knockout power in both of his hands coming back at him. So Strickland's going to have to tighten up that defense. He's going to have to take Hall more seriously than he did his past few opponents because Hall does have that ability to shut his lights off. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Strickland's probably going to cruise to either a late TKO or decision here. Um, Strickland never really pours it on looking for that finish. He just kind of chugs along at a steady pace and steady volume. So I'm not expecting him to really pour it on and search for a knockout here. Uh, but it is possible in that late those later rounds, just due to accumulated damage, Uriah Hall might just kind of wilt, knowing that he's beaten by the better puncher, uh, the more active striker in Sean Strickland. So I do have a bet tracked in this fight. That's a one-unit bet on Sean Strickland to win in rounds four or five or by a decision. The way I see it is that if Sean Strickland is going the full distance with Jack Marshman and Christoph Jocko, I think this fight is pretty likely to get past the 15-minute mark and... Strickland might pour it on in those later rounds. He might finish them. That's fine with me. But I think this one is honestly going to go to a decision. I don't think that Strickland is ever going to kick it up. He's just going to stay in that same gear throughout the entire fight and uh, just outbox Uriah Hall the entire time. So I think Sean Strickland is going to win this fight via decision. Probably 49-46, maybe even 50-45. I think it should be a pretty one-sided fight. And like I said, if you like Hall, just take him by knockout. Maybe wait to live bet him. I don't think there's any value in Hall money line here. So I like Strickland in this main event. I'm picking him to win by decision. And that is going to do it for this podcast. I analyzed all 11 fights. This card did take a hit. Lost a few fights in the scales. Lost a few fights earlier in the week. And the card overall just sucks. It's a really weak card. But luckily, there is Bellator tomorrow night. 
I actually have a track bet on a Bellator fight for the first time in like over a year. A one unit bet on Mads Burnell when he was an underdog. I also like uh, Pitbull Frieri to win the fight against AJ McKee. So uh, Pitbull and Mads Burnell are my picks for the Bellator card tomorrow if you guys are interested in that. And you can check all my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. I won six units last event. I'm up. I don't know, 15 units for the entire year. And make sure you go listen to my other podcast with Ozzy. Uh, That's a lot more entertaining. You might enjoy that podcast more than this one when this card is so weak this week. So uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. Thank you all for listening. And hope you all enjoy the fights and win some money tomorrow night. Peace.